In this episode of the Latino Business Report, I sit down with returning guest and serial entrepreneur Angel Munoz for an intimate conversation. This podcast delves deep into Munoz's thought processes, business strategies, and the inventions he has created. As Munoz opens up about his family, life, and career, listeners get a rare glimpse of the man behind the public persona. Welcome to the Latino Business Report. This podcast covers business, people, and issues of the day from a Latino perspective. The Latino Business Report is brought to you by TAMAC, the Texas Association of Mexican-American Chambers of Commerce. TAMAC is the leading Hispanic business organization in Texas since 1975. Now for your host, J.R. Gonzalez. And welcome to the Latino Business Report. Our guest today is Angel Munoz. Angel, how are you doing today, bud? I'm doing absolutely fantastic. Thank you for having me on the show again. No, thank you. And for the regular listeners, you'll recognize Angel. He's been on the show, um, been on this podcast several times, talking about his mass luminosity. He is the founder, president, and CEO of a development company that is just amazing. It's called Mass Luminosity. Angel, before we get into it, can you tell us a little bit about your company and what it does? Well, I'd be incredibly happy to. Uh, Mass Luminosity is a company that I founded now. I think we're going on our 12th year, and it's a research and development company that basically is motivated or focused on creating positive experiences for people. Uh, We own a social media network that lacks uh, overt uh, advertising. We own a uh, video communications uh, platform called Beacon. Uh, we are about to launch Beacon Max, which takes the entire video conferencing uh, industry and turns it on its head. Uh, we are soon launching Beam. Uh, that's a competitor uh, for those, those in your audience that know Twitch, which is a streaming platform. We're going hit and, and that is owned by Amazon. We're going uh, in direct competition with them. And then next year, we're, we're, uh, we're launching another social experience that is called, uh, have we announced the name? Yeah, we have, uh, Singularity. So. Hmm. so it sounds like you stay busy. I like to, yes. <laughs> well, I definitely like to. And Angel, that's one of the reasons I've asked you back because you are just, I mean, you're phenomenal. You are a serial entrepreneur, Latino, uh, Puerto Rican, some interesting background and, and upbringing that we'll talk about in a little bit, but man, you're like a Latino Steve Jobs or something. You're just creating, creating, and creating, and just really pushing the envelope of technology and going into some new territory. So um, thank you for that, and that's one of the things that our listeners need to know. That uh, as you listen to this, go back and listen to some of our other episodes on Latino Business Report. We have two other uh, episodes with uh, with Angel talking about some of his technology and some of the amazing things he's doing. But we're not here to talk about the technology so much, but about the man, Angel Munoz. Angel, where are you from? Well, I was born in New York City, but my parents, both my parents are from the island of Puerto Rico. And uh, so I would answer that question that, yes, I'm Puerto Rican. So, uh, or New Yorican, as, as some Puerto Ricans call themselves when they're born oh, in New York. Yes, another New York Puerto Rican. Okay. We've had a few... <laughs> We've had a few. Uh, you just on- had, yeah, you just had Luis Guzman on the show. On the show, he's he's New Yorkian. Well, he actually was born in Puerto Rico, so yeah. and but he but he he um 
came uh, over very, very young. Young, very young to, to New York City, yeah. Yeah, the so, guy the guy's amazing. The guy is amazing. So, absolutely great interview. I, I recommend that your audience stop, pause this, and go back to listen to Luis Guzman. <laughs> He's fantastic. It was a great interview. Congratulations, JR, and having no, him on the show. Thank you very much. He, he is an amazing individual. Now, so just kind of describe real quick, and not a whole lot of time, Angel, but I just want to kind of get set the table here. So what was your childhood like? I mean, you're you this serial entrepreneur. You're motivated. You're creating new things all the time. You're definitely driven. But I'm trying to figure out, and for our audience, what is there anything in your childhood that, that triggered this? Or what was your childhood like? Yeah. Well, JR, I, um, I was born under uh, very uh, specific circumstances that made me uh, a little bit more curious for solo understanding of things. My mom has a third grade education and my dad has a ninth grade education. My mom, actually, I taught her to read and write. So... Oh have to keep that in mind. And, um, and it was my childhood was one of trying to understand. Uh, it, it's not so great when you're, you know, really young in life, and you realize that you know more things than your parents do. But it was great for me, because I was all about sharing it with them. And uh, my dad is, was a very intelligent is a very intelligent person. And, uh, and it was it was a great experience to have them as parents. I got lots of of great refranes, which you know your your Latino mm-hmm. community will understand this expression, which means sayings, but but they normally are um, they have they impart a moral lesson, and uh, and it it shaped my life in a way that it kept me humble uh, because of my humble beginnings, but it also made me very curious about the world, and I think that's really where it all started. You said very curious about the world. You're curious about a lot of things. You've always kind of been tinkering along with technology. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I started when I was, I was, I started breaking things at the house. So uh, my goal was to try to take something apart and see if I can put it back together. So you're um, breaking, you were breaking them on purpose. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm breaking, I'm, I'm taking them apart and, and I say breaking because sometimes I couldn't put them back together. So if there was a radio or there was a record player, I just wanted to understand how they worked and, uh, and how they function and what was the mechanisms inside. And, uh, and then, um, uh, you know, my passion for technology uh, was very strong from as far back as I can remember. So okay. passion for technology, but um, as you went to school, elementary school, of course, high school, and then you never went to college, did you, Angel? Oh, I actually did. I actually did go to the University of Puerto Rico for two years, okay. but I dropped out. Yes. Um, I just, uh, I honestly, um, the rigor of college education uh, was just, it, it kind of, it was a bit ag- against my grain. And I really, this is in Puerto Rico because my, mm-hmm. at that time I was living in Puerto Rico uh, uh, with my parents. And I decided to move to the U.S. I did go to a community college, Miami-Dade Community College here for a year, but I never really did it finish my degree. And I was just so anxious to throw myself at life and, and go through the University of Hard Knocks. So I absolutely threw myself that way um, at, at life and found that I had a natural knack to understanding uh, programming and, and 
and hardware uh, interactions and ended up and my first real job was uh, it, it was working on IBM mainframes and everything from backing them up to auditing them to, you know, uh, installing them and all that. And that was what really sort of put me on the track of technology. It put you on the track and what you've accomplished to date has just been amazing. I would think that somebody like you to have accomplished what you've accomplished, Angel, Angel would, would almost have like a PhD from MIT or something. But yet, well, I hope I hope MIT, I hope MIT is listening to you because I'll take their PhD in an honorary. <laughs> you'll, you'll take an honorary PhD. I will take it in a, in a heartbeat. Um, yeah, no, I, um, um, there's nothing that replaces an education, Jr. Uh, I have lots of friends, my 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 children, my, both college graduates. My daughter, my daughter, is a, a biotech engineer and a scientist. And my son is a medical doctor. I graduated from Harvard. And I just really, I, I really um, admire the amount of knowledge and understanding that they get that I had to go through years to try to even get close to what they have. So I, I, I actually, I'm not against an education. I'm actually pro it. And, and in fact, uh, I'm in the process of starting a foundation that my daughter will be uh, running uh, that will have scholarships for children so they can go to college and get an education. That's great. That is great. And definitely, definitely in favor of any type of post-secondary education. But I think the point is, is you have managed somehow to be extremely successful without that. Obviously a secondary, a post-secondary education is important, but what's unique about you, Angel, is you've managed to accomplish things that a lot of people would have never accomplished without that formal education. And uh, that's what I find interesting. Uh, your actual first real job wasn't so much in technology, was in what, investment banking? Uh, well, uh, the first job was in technology. And then a friend of mine, Jack Rodriguez, he uh, told me that he thought I would do really well as an investment banker, helping uh, identify uh, future technologies uh, that would have potential and uh and creating you know um financing opportunities for companies so, so that I basic went, it was that basic understanding of technology that helped you in your investment banking field well i to get hired was was one thing because obviously they wanted a college degree so i had to start um even lower than an investment banker uh but within a year of having that i was already um, uh, starting the career as an investment banker, I was already one of the top, I was top three or something like that in the entire firm as, as production. And I helped finance technologies like the MP3 format for, for audio, MP4 for video, uh, you know, which is obviously this now it's so common that we don't even know about it because everything is streaming and other technologies that have been cutting edge, including, um, LASIK. So, uh, which was, you know, very uh, far reaching at the time uh, of cutting the eye with, with a laser, mm -hmm. the same lasers that were used, by the way, the guiding, the guiding mechanism of, of those lasers is the same thing that NASA was using to couple two objects in space. So that precision that it requires is the same thing that was used in LASIK. I got very, very lucky. I, I was surrounded by, by geniuses. Uh, people who were seeking to make an impact on the world. And that really was a great experience. But I ran that for about four years, JR. And then mm -hmm. I got an offer that I couldn't refuse. 
And at the age of 33, I sold the investment banking firm. Okay. Well, now you got my curiosity up. So what was that offer you couldn't refuse? It was, an, it was enough that I thought that I could retire and live for the rest of my life without working. <laughs> but, but that ended up not being so. <laughs> so you, you kind of sold off, you got out of the investment banking business. And so what did you go into next, Angel? Yeah, that's when um, a friend of mine, um, Jeff Fox, uh, was telling me that I, he thought I should definitely launch a technology company of sorts. And he was telling me about video games and the, you know, how they were going to have a huge impact. And I launched a company called New World, and we we started by launching a website uh, that was a, you know, uh, this is now in the early days of of the web, um, and it was the top website of its type in the world. It was about, you know, it was it was a true journalistic approach. Uh, to reporting of anything that had to do with technology and video games. And then uh, I had an epiphany that video games could be presented as a professional sport. And with that, I started eSports, which is now roughly a three, $4 billion industry. Wow. And the idea for eSports came from where? I don't know. It was odd. It was, I just was watching people uh, competing uh, just for bragging rights. And it really, it really kind of, I don't know. I don't know where, how the idea hit me, but I was like, this is very analogous to a sport. Why not present it as a professional sport? And why not organize it and have rules and, 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 and you know, and events and venues and all that. And within three years, maybe four years of launching it, we were doing events all the all everywhere around the world. The company was doing, uh, had major sponsorships contracts and all that we were doing really really well it was it was certainly an idea that was the time was perfect and in fact um my children both alexander which is my son and gabrielle that's my daughter celebrated they were both born in december and in december we used to do an event was the winter event and many of their birthdays were celebrated <laughs> at those <laughs> events <laughs> so so and i did that for about 13 years I uh, loved it, loved everything about it. But then a Chinese company made made us an offer, and we made you another offer you couldn't refuse, huh? Uh huh. And I sold it. <laughs> yeah. well, let me ask this, Angel. As I'm listening to you, and I think some of our listeners may be curious as well. So, here you are. You interested in technology, investment banker, sold that off, started dabbling in some other stuff. Had this idea. I mean, everybody has ideas out there. There's a lot of people who have ideas, but you had what it took to follow up with that idea and turn it into a global, a global uh, phenomenon, if you will. What yeah. Esports e is now uh, the Olympics are finally recognizing esports as a legitimate sport, which was something I predicted 20 some years ago. Um, I would say that it's not so much a talent that I have, but it's an obsession. Uh, an obsession. I, I, okay. I'm obsessed by ideas. And when I, and I will not give up on it. So well, I, I, I know a lot of people that, that are obsessed with ideas. But uh -huh. The difference is not only your obsession, you actually do something about it. I think that what I do differently, maybe JR, and it's not so magical is that I'm able to communicate 
my ideas as they're forming in my head in such a compelling way that people see it and become excited and want to help me make that a reality. So you have a vision and becomes you share the idea, it becomes a shared vision with other people, and you all work in tandem to be, have that vision come to reality. Is that what I'm I, hearing? I would say? I would say if, if there is a magic trick, that is it. That's the magic trick. Okay. Now you have an obsession and, and just curiosity, Angel, and let's just kind of get into it here. You are not your average New York Puerto Rican or individual or just, you're not your average human being. I mean, I don't know what the heck makes you tick in there, but as you're obsessively coming up with ideas, you're constantly thinking, what is it when you get up in the morning, what, what gets you excited or what gets you focused in on this type of thinking? Well, it's not, I, uh, yes, thank you, by the way. Um, I actually break down my day into parts and I realize that I do not like mornings and I'm comfortable with that. So I start my mornings, mornings very slowly and, uh, and I like silence in the mornings. So, and then I give myself time to come out of the sleep world where I actually get ideas and then try to see if they will incorporate into the objective. I, I guess there's a subjective world in the objective world. And so, uh, but I also will not overload myself with ideas when I'm working on one. So right now my focus is almost entirely on Beacon Max and that's why I keep my focus. So all my ideas have to do with that. And in fact, as I'm talking to you right now, I just remembered that I have to tell Teodora Troshenko, who is our chief technology officer of two ideas that I had. <laughs> so. so obviously you're constantly thinking about something, even when you're talking to me. So am, am I that boring, Angel? Am I that boring? No, it, it, way, <laughs> no it's, a, it's a weird characteristic that I have. It's, uh, it, I feel like I'm sometimes, I'm like a little, uh, like a computer. So a computer, um, by its very nature has, because of us, has primary functions. Like this one is me talking to you and responding and actively listening to what you're saying and actively participating. But I also run a subroutine in the back of my brain that is constantly, constantly also okay. processing. So it's, it's a weird, I just became aware of it maybe two or three years ago. So this, I, I thought I was distracted because I, you know, I felt like I had to turn that little subroutine off to give a person hundred percent, but it's not necessary. Right. So I let it go. <laughs> so you become aware of it, but you haven't been officially diagnosed yet with whatever it is, but that's okay. exactly. I, I may have created a new, a new, condition, a new mental condition. So, right. so you, you sell out the Chinese buy this thing for, and I'm sure you're not going to tell me how much, unless you want to tell me how much. Uh, I rather not, no. but yeah, uh, it, it was, I'm sure it, it had a lot of off. It was a fair offer. Yes, I would say that. And would I venture to say that it was a fair offer that you probably could have just kind of kicked back and again, had a very, um, and a very nice lifestyle after that? Um, yes, but for other reasons, but yes. Beyond okay. the offer, um, we owned several properties that also were sold, and the entire package was very lucrative, yes. Okay. But that didn't stop you. You just something inside you kept you. Well, I can I tell you next. Well, you know, my wife, Karen, would not allow me to, to, you know, she was, as soon as I sold it, she's like, what are you doing next? You know? So there was no, there was no opportunity for me to relax. And so I, um, I then launched, um, 
I launched, uh, um, actually I bought an art gallery at the time. And right at the, when I was selling, um, in the process of selling uh, the eSports organization, I, um, I started a small little, I didn't start it, it was already there. I bought it in bankruptcy, but I went into the art business. I, I just, you know, a lot of people are puzzled by that. They're like, yeah, what's the technology the, guy? Technology to art? I mean, that makes yeah, sense. It seems, it seems really disconnected. But what I wanted to discover is are the um, basically the mindsets that you develop in a lifetime of of creating businesses that are valuable can are are they translatable to even a small business? Because when okay. I talk to small business owners, they always want to remind me that they're that they, that their business is small. You know, I only have one store, you know, you, you think too big. So I, so I went into the business with the idea, is it true? Is it true that, that you have to, you know, kind of cut down on some of the ideas? And it ended up being not true, JR. We had, within three months, we had the most successful um, gallery in Dallas, arguably. I'm sure others thought they were more, I don't know which ones. And we, uh, and I sold that too to a local billionaire here in the Dallas area. So nice. After two years. Yep. Okay. So then you get art gallery. And then when did you really start getting into this whole beacon thing and all these new Massimonosity came after that. Yeah. So okay. I sold it and then I started Massimonosity. Um, I just felt that uh, with Massimonosity, I felt that that work had to be done to bridge communication between humans, especially as we approach an era that you know we are um by in every uh reasonable way that you analyze it we are creating changes not only at a global level but internally as humans and i felt that we needed to bridge communication and i named what the state of that we are uh defragmentation i mean fragmentation so it, it's like we're fragmented, like everything is polarized. Everybody has an opinion. Everybody wants to argue. And I called, I started Massimonosity as to use technologies to defragment communication, to bring people together, to bring, to appeal to the true nature of humans, which want to, we're tribal by nature. We're not, okay. we're not so separate. And with that, I started G-Tribe which is a social media um, a website. We recently got an offer for G-Tribe, has nearly 6 million people on it with, net, with no advertising. And last year we got an offer for $120 million. I'm not embarrassed to say since it's public wow. and we turned it down. I, I, love, I love owning that. And that's, I want it to be my legacy to the world, a site where people don't, don't uh, there's no, you know, um, profanity uh people respect each other uh there's no advertising it's people can come there and relax it's kind of sanity in the middle of uh it's like a small little sane island in the middle of an insane ocean and, and this g-tribe how many people do you have on g-tribe uh nearly six million yes wow just uh, i would say we're about fifty thousand, maybe forty thousand away from six million something like that and you were offered how much to buy it 120 million. You offered 120 million. You passed on it. Okay. I did. Mm -hmm. Well, that says a lot about you, Angel. I'm not quite sure what it says, but it says a lot.
It the, says uh, that there's a level of insanity, I'm sure, but I also I, I uh, I'm a stoic in my approach to life, meaning that I really believe in the principles of uh, of stoicism. And one uh, there is a philosopher called Epictetus, and he said, "Wealth is not about the accumulation of things, but about the diminishment of wants." And I really like that. Wow. So I think that if I don't have that many wants, 120 million here, 100 or whatever, it's not going to really make that big of a difference in my life. Very good. And actually, I have all the things I want. So, and I've given the best gift to my children that I can give, which is shares in my company. So, <laughs> so at one point, it'll probably be up to them if they want to sell it or not. So, but we may get an offer that's ridiculous. So sure. I may sell it. Yeah, you know, I may Who sell knows? it then. Yeah. You know, there's one thing I learned about business, um, Angel, is that you can have business plans and strategies and everything else, but life sometimes gets in the way. That's and right. You mentioned your wife, Karen, and I know it's been just what maybe about a year now, but but she has passed. It'll and be a year tomorrow, Jr. Year tomorrow. My condolences. Condolences on that. Angel, but I guess the question I want to ask is that as you're getting up every morning, as your wife helped motivate you when she was going, you know, what's next? As your brain is going 100 miles an hour, as you're always looking for that next thing to to accomplish or, or to conquer, how did the passing of your wife affect your affect you and how did it affect the business? Well, in the beginning, I was completely dependent on our staff, um, you know, it doesn't matter how much you prepare my i guess i should tell your audience my my wife died of cancer and she was diagnosed um with uh liver you know terminal liver cancer is the best way to express it uh about nine ten months before she passed so uh so you think you're prepared and you I, everybody hears this so i know that i'm that i sound like an echo but you think you're prepared for it but when you go through it it is such it's such a real moment, JR. It's like life expresses itself in its fullest. And to answer your question, uh, yes, it has been very challenging uh, in some respects, um, but I still have her voice in my head. So, um, so anyway, so she's still yelling at me when I do things wrong or, <laughs> or motivating me, at least in my head. And, and that kind of keeps me going every day. So I will not um, dishonor her by forgetting her. All right. Well, you definitely have uh, some great people that work with you. Uh, Theodore, I've gotten to know, and Kimberly, I've gotten to know. I mean, just phenomenal folks, and they've, they've been with you for a while. Um, life, as I said, life happens. And your situation, as, you know, we all do. I mean, people die. And... and and that's rough and, and people we love. Do you have any recommendations or suggestions? How did, how did you get, how do you, how do you get through it? How did you get through that? Cause I can only imagine, I mean, some people will go into, into, you know, fits of depression. Some people just want to give up. Some people just want to do something completely different. Life changes for them when something tragic like that happens, when a, when a close loved one or a spouse passes away. And, and I'm just kind of curious, Angel, how did you get through it? And, just get up every morning after something that devastating. Well, it's not the answer that probably your 
listeners are going to relate to. They probably never heard this before, but I am deeply committed to living in reality. So, and that, and that is a deeper thought than what it sounds, because that means you have to give up your fantasies about what life should be like, or what I think I deserve, or what I think should happen to me. And you have to accept life as it is. And that is what's gotten gotten me through this. Um, I I'm completely very, I love reality. Uh, you know, um, Sigmund Freud said, um, you know, people prefer fantasy over reality because reality is too terrible to admit. Uh, I am, I like reality. It's great, but it will cut hard. And I think as a protection to our egos and to our souls, we live in a state of denial of reality, like people are going to live forever. Think about it. No one thinks of death. And I just don't. So it was very painful when she passed. Extremely painful. It was painful for me, for my son, for my daughter, for her mom, uh, for anyone that cared for her. But it was absolutely real. So you have to accept it and you have to embrace it it's like embracing the pain instead of running away from it i think people that run try to run away from the pain cause themselves depression and all kinds of things accept the moment for what it is when the moment that she passed i i was actually relieved for her because she was going through such excruciating pain and so that was my first emotion was a relief that she was yeah. at peace finally. Were, and, you by her, were you by her side when she passed? Uh, she, actually, she waited. So um, I used to have a person that stayed while I slept because one of the commitments that I made because of me, uh, I, she never asked for it, is when they uh, decided to put her in hospice care, instead of having people take care of her, I had the people train me so I could take care of her. So I took care of her 24 seven JR, what she was, you know, for almost two months. And, um, and when she, I, we, I could tell that she was now in her final stage. And I went to, I asked uh, this incredible human being that was taking care of her, uh, that still, I'm still in contact with her today, um, to watch her while I would rest for a little bit. And within 10 minutes of me going, she passed. So she called me right back and, and she had gone. And I appreciate that she did that so that I didn't have to see that particular moment. So, but I was with her, I hugged her and anyway. Well, that's a very unique approach, you know, saying, you know, just the reality of it. You have two adult children. How did your, how did your children take her passing? Well, you can imagine their mommy's gone. So that's not a good day for anyone. So, I mean, yeah, it was hard. I know you're close to your children, but by her passing, bring you any closer to your children? I wouldn't say so. I would say that it really, one of the things that my daughter and I were just talking about yesterday is that things that I would have not naturally done because Karen and I had 
um, you know, we had different personalities. So she would be more inclined to do things with the kids that I wouldn't want to do. Now I do those things. That in that way, it cha it changed it a little bit. But the nature of the of the relationship between Gabrielle, Alexander, and I have has always been good, and we have, uh, I think, great communication. And I trust them, and I know they trust me. So, what else can you ex can't you ask for in life than that? That's an incredible gift. No, that is that is incredible. It just well, everybody experiences death you know in family members and eventually we're all going to be gone but it's just such one of the it's one of those things that's just very difficult to deal with you know some people handle it some people just can't um it seems like you've handled it well angel and once again my condolences it's been a year now and your wife i i did not have the opportunity to ever get to know her she sounds like a wonderful human being and she person was. i wish i wish i'd have had that opportunity she um, really was she was she was uh, brilliant. She was the first, one of the first women in the United States to own a broker dealer, a brokerage firm. She was wow. honestly, and pardon the French, she was a badass. And it was, it, it's unfortunate that the world um, doesn't have her presence anymore. Yeah. Well, she sounds like definitely that amazing badass that you talk about. Now I have to question her. Um, her judgment in men, but um, we won't go into that. <laughs> Angel, what what is it? If you had to give some advice to, to folks out there who are entrepreneurs or business owners or people maybe thinking of starting their own business or going down their own path and, and becoming their own boss, what, what advice would you have for them? Don't do anything that you're not passionate about, period. If you're not passionate about it, just don't don't do it because of the money. Don't don't do <laughs> don't do the projections and get excited because this is going to make billions of dollars. That is not a, that is the recipe. Most people who approach business that way fail. Um, but I would say that if you're passionate about something, that you pursue it with your entire heart and disconnect yourself from the possible results. Uh, the result is that you're doing something you're passionate about. It gives meaning to your life. It brings joy into your days. It's work that you don't even feel. I remember when my when my daughter got a job as a research scientist, and she said, Dad, I can't believe that they pay me so much for doing something that I love so passionately. That's the secret to life right there. That's the secret to success. Well, as I tell people all the time, money should be a byproduct of doing what you enjoy doing. So that kind of fits, yes. fits along those lines. Um, okay, that makes sense. So have be passionate about what you're doing. No. Yes, absolutely. Don't do things that you're. Don't do it. Don't do the. Don't do the. Uh, don't put it on an Excel sheet and, and do the math and go. Oh, this is a great business. I don't. I some people are successful that way. I can't say that anybody everybody's that way, but I can't live life that way. That's yeah, not well, my way. Well, and some people are their passion is actually making money, however it is. So I mean Yeah, I don't yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I I don't anyway. I what I do, I, I listen, I have investors. I what I do, I do because I, I think that there is an opportunity for reward for all of us, but it's not the number one motivation. 
changing the world, making the world a better place, making people, you know, having people communicate with each other anywhere they're at in a way that seems natural and that is uniting to humans is the ultimate goal. So I think that's the future. And I think I'm just happened to be slightly ahead of the crowd. Okay. Well, let's talk for a few minutes before we have to go about um, Beacon, where you're doing some of the new innovative, I mean, just mind-blowing technology that you're about to about to launch. Yeah. So um, Beacon uh, is, I guess, the best way for your audience to relate to it is that it is Zoom on steroids. It is absolutely breathtakingly beautiful. Uh, it is um, much better than anything that's out there. And then we took the time, JR, to invent new technologies to make the experience even better. In fact, as I mentioned probably in one of our previous interviews, uh, we have now uh, five patents, two have been approved, two we hope are in the process of just being approved since we got reviewed by an examiner and one we just filed. So we have five patents and because it's public information, we, we received an offer last year for 80 million, not that, not the 120 million was for G drive. This is for beacon for 80 million and also turn it down. So last year we got offers for 200 million for our company. Wow. Well, the beacon offer, I mean, it's not even fully developed yet and they've already offered you 80 million. Uh, it was, it there's a free version was out. We have mm -hmm. a free version at beaconx.com and it was out, but it was not fully developed. It is now, uh, I would say that now it's fully developed. Yeah. We haven't launched Beacon Max, which is the paid version of Beacon, but we're about to launch it. So. And folks definitely listen to some of the other episodes or go online and, and look it up. The technology is just phenomenal. I think. One of my favorite uh, features you have is going to be the whole uh, translation. Um, uh, we, yeah, we call it interpreter. <clears throat> the so, interpreter. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah a person can talk and, and the system translates almost real time. So you can have, what, four or five people on the call speaking different languages and you'll be able to hear it in, in your own native language. Um, and your your uh, your AI, your AR was Sammy. Uh, just And the, the, the quality, the quality of the sound, the quality of the... Um, of the uh, video, the video is just amazing. I mean, you guys got some really high tech stuff out there. Did, did well, you know, it took, it, it took us seven years to develop it, so it it's not something that we, you know, we took it very seriously from the beginning. Uh, it was a grind. Uh, it was hard, but I am so proud of it, Jr. It's a phenomenal product. I I proudly stand my product against Google. Microsoft, Zoom, Cisco that has WebEx, all of them, we blow them away. So amazing. Amazing. You know, Angel, let's just kind of go back for a second and kind of put this all in perspective. This is a little kid, Puerto Rican, comes over, lives in New York. His parents didn't have the advantage of a, a very high education. You're you're um, definitely interpreting and, and telling your parents about things. You have an opportunity go to school in Puerto Rico, a little community college, never really got that post-secondary education as a lot of people think that you may need. Definitely determined, driven, investment banking, sold off, sold that, art gallery got that, the whole G-Tribe thing, technology. And now we're coming up with, you're coming up with things that are just revolutionizing 
um, you know, the audiovisual industry. And I mean, just it's just new technology. It doesn't exist. I mean, five patents that are under review right now. That's just amazing. So two, two of them approved. Two of two them, of are them approved. approved already. Mm-hmm. To that, you know, I just sincerely, Angel, kudos to. I mean, thank you, phenomenal. Very, very proud to 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 have get to known you, to call you a friend, and the fact that you're Latino. Pues, que, it's just another plus. But <laughs> I wanted you on the, the the podcast. I mean, the technology end of it is is one thing, and it's just amazing stuff that I think people need to know about. But equally as important, they need to know about you. They need to know about what drives you. The fact that even though you deal with obstacles and you have things, you know, if you stay focused, if you stay determined, um, if you have that passion, as you say, uh, if you're in love with an idea and have the passion to pursue it, pursue it. So before we go, Angel, any other last um, recommendations or suggestions for folks? I mean, I know that um, at one point, I mean, what, what are people's, what can people expect in their own life? I mean, do they create their own destiny or is it just kind of you get, you got lucky and really had no control over it? I think it's a mixture of both. I think that how life, um, you know, unfolds, uh, there are moments that you know that you were lucky by being in the right place at the right time, but also you may be in, in you know, uh, you know, at the right place at the right time and not even realize it at the moment. So you, there's a combination also of being aware and, and, and being able to, um, to act on an opportunity as it presents itself. And I think that, you know, if you're happy in your life, don't watch television and see other people's lifestyle that is full of excess and, and in my opinion, exaggeration, and think that's the standard for good living. In fact, the happiest people that I've met in my entire life, and I know a lot of very wealthy people, including billionaires, happen to sometimes are people that are have nothing, that are poor. And so pursue what makes you happy. Don't go by the standards of society thinking that only a person like myself or a person that, you know, like Luis Guzman, uh, Luis Guzman that you had in your show before, those are the people who are happy because they make a lot of money. Not necessarily so. At the end of the day, it's the quality of your life that defines you as a person, not the quality of your pocket. So, you know, I mean, that's just secondary. So I would say, ex- basically take an inventory of your life. Are you happy? Is this what you want? If you're not, then you need to start pursuing something. But if you are, enjoy it. Enjoy the ride. And life provides. You don't have to, you know, I I never worry about those things, even when we're going through difficulties, because in a history of a company, there's good times and bad times, but I never worry about it. I'm not the type of person to obscure my present because I have these fears about what something may be in the future. I just live one day at a time and I give every day the totality of my person. So that's as simple as I can, I can explain it. Well, that's some great advice and some definitely some good advice. So what you're actually saying is don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to take the risk. Don't be afraid to explore your passions and just 
follow what is it follow your dreams i mean just do yeah, it yeah fear fear is a necessary fear is a necessary mechanism that wants to protect us so we can survive but it's a survival mechanism it's not a success mechanism there's a two different things right so survival is primal and it's super ingrained so if you hear a loud sound now we both jump you know if we, we would something yeah. were to explode that's natural that's the way that we're wired but going beyond that you have to look at it as does being living in that state of survival is that success and if that's success to you fine then that's great but if it's not then you have to everything you want jr everything you want in life is on the other side of fear i'll end with that wow Definitely. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to the Latino Business Report. My name is J.R. Gonzalez, and our guest today, a serial entrepreneur, an amazing individual, a person I'm proud to call friend, Angel Munoz. Uh, be watching for that name. You're going to see uh, and hearing a lot more about him, especially when this new product uh, launches. It's going to be phenomenal. Go to the website, check it out. If, in fact, you like what you hear, please uh, go ahead and um, give us a like, give us some comments. Also, you can find uh, our entire library of episodes on latinobusinessreport.com. Thanks very much. And until next time, um, we'll see you. And Angel, once again, thanks for being a guest on the show. And thank you, JR, for having me.